Hello, Jets Nation, and welcome to the very first episode of The Point After. I'm your host, Sean Dickinson. Today, I'm going to be breaking down um, game one between the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills, which we sadly lost 27-17, which also gave me unhappy flashbacks to last week's week one, when we also lost to the Buffalo Bills due to our kicker not being able to hit both a field goal and a PAT. But we're not going to dive into that today because actually the Bills kicker that didn't perform that game. And the score could have been a lot worse had it not been for him completely missing the one and the questionable no-field goal call later in the game. But, you know, let's start with the quarterback. Sam Donald, 21 for 35, 215 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which aren't the greatest stats, to be honest. Uh, completion percentage should have been better. Yards should have been more. And the interception, I think, was mostly because he was trying to do too much with the ball. Josh Allen, 33 for 46, 312 yards, two touchdowns, and two fumbles, which was a highlight for the Jets' defense. We proved that we could get after their quarterback when he was outside the pocket. But what really killed the Jets and gave the Bills an overwhelming advantage in the game was time of possession. The Bills possessed the ball for 41 minutes and 17 seconds, while the Jets only had it for 18 minutes and 43 seconds. That's insane. It's more than double the possession time, and you're never going to win a football game like that. I don't care how many turnovers you get. I don't care if you have more big plays that Crowder had. Like, it's never going to click offensively, defensively, unless you can control the ball. Now, for total yards, the Jets had 254. The Bills had 404, which means their rushing and passing game was just much better than us. They had better protection, better play calling, better execution all around. And, you know, we're playing the 49ers on Sunday, and that's another amazing defense. You know, they showed us last year what they can really do with, you know, that line led by uh, Nick Boza, which, you know, phenomenal player. 49ers D-line is not a force to be taken lightly, and unless we clean up our act, we're going to be seeing a repeat of what happened week one in our week two matchup. Now, there are some positives this game. I will say that, you know, James Crowder, like I said, he had that one big touchdown, seven receptions, 115 yards, and a 69-yard touchdown run. That's the longest of Crowder's Jets' career, so that was a good sign. Um, Stefan Diggs, on the other hand, on the Bills' side, had eight receptions for 86 yards. So we did beat them in individual receiver performance, at least. But unless we can protect our quarterback and have more time possession and get the run going, we're never going to see improvement on our offense. And that comes down to play calling. That comes down to timing, comfortability. I mean, the Jets' two first tries were both three and out, and I believe that there were four drop passes. Like, that can't be happening at a professional level. You're paid to play football. And even, you know, the shirt-handed Chris Herndon, who had some, you know, some good plays during, you know, the first fourth quarter where nothing really mattered. But, you know, he's a big target, and him and Donald did have a connection before he was played with those injuries. Crowder is always consistent. We have Perriman, and we now we have, you know, Chris Hogan coming over. Sadly, you know, Denzel Mims now in IR, and so we won't be seeing him for another three weeks, which is unfortunate because he was supposed to be – you know, our new talent, deep threat, vertical guy. And we traded Robbie Anderson. Well, we didn't trade him. We uh, lost him in free agency to the uh, Carolina Panthers. And he actually had to get out in there, which proves that, you know, he was okay. But, again, it was just like his deep ball threat, the Gamish yards. Now, we can say whatever we want about our passing and run game. We can blame him on the fact that Le'Veon Bell got hurt in the second quarter. We can say, yeah, the guy fell on him, blah, blah, blah. Even before that, he only had six rushes for about 13 yards. Frank Gore, the veteran who came over, only had six rushes for about 24 yards. So our running game was non-existent. Josh Allen had more yards than both of our backs combined. 
which is just not what we want from the team. I mean, you know, we have rich history in the month. Remember, like, Chris Ivory, you know, he was a beast for that one. We had Curtis Martin in the early 2000s. Like, we spent all this time with draft picks, trades, free agency, building that O-line. We need to get the run game going. We also have that rookie running back who did look decent in um, the practices I saw him. And he has some shifty moves. He just needs some time to develop, I think. And, you know, who better to teach him than Frank Gorn? You can say, you know, about Le'Veon Bell, at the very least, he has knowledge. And it can catch the ball very well. So back to the defense. Marcus May played phenomenal. Jamal Adams left. Yeah, you can say he was a diva, blah, blah, blah. He, he's a great player. And he played decent in Seattle. But May played lined up in nine different positions during week one. And he had two sacks, a forced fumble, and two broken up passes, which are great numbers for any player. So he proved that our system does work without Jamal. And we can build the secondary still maybe around him instead of Jamal Adams because, you know, he's obviously not a factor on our team anymore. Um, it is unfortunate that we lost Avery Williamson um, to injuries, and I believe he's on IR, so we won't see him until probably week three or four now. And, you know, we also had the unfortunate event of C.J. Mosley opting out of his contract this year due to COVID. But, you know... Our linebackers just have to step up and be better and, you know, protect against those short, quick slants and match up against the tight ends. But, you know, sports analysts and stuff, they have the Jets only winning two of the four games this year. And I just don't think that's possible. And not, not in a bad way. I think we can, you know, break even or maybe have a winning record this year. And I know what well, you're thinking. I'm just an optimistic, optimistic Jets fan. And like, oh, yeah, you know, like, oh, you think you're going to win, but we won't. No. We have talent. We really do. It's just it comes down to play calling, execution, who wants to win the game more. And the 49ers just got beat by, you know, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, last year they weren't a threat at all. And Kyler Murray showed that you can't expose this defense if you catch him on their heels. And I honestly think if our team comes out swinging, I think we do have a chance. But, I mean, you know, it's all speculation until we get on the field on Sunday and, you know, Line up against Boza and Garoppolo and Mostert, who had a great first games. But I, I think we have a chance. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it might be like 14-10 or 21-14 going, you know, either way. I, I, I do think the Jets can win, but they need to get their act together if they're going to pull out a winning season this year. I know it's only one game, and you don't want to make any predictions based off of it, but we need a lot of work. And that's not something that's going to change overnight. Every player needs to wake up every day and work on this to put a team together that is worth rooting for, worth standing behind, worth going up against other teams and winning. And I really think they can do it. So that's going to be it for this episode. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, Tune in next week for the breakdown of the 49ers game and my prediction for the week three matchup.